Well, hey there, it's Liz Rohr from Real World NP, and you are watching the Real World NP YouTube channel. We make weekly episodes to help save you time, frustration, and help you take the best care of your patients. Hello! This episode, we are going to be talking about syncope. So the way I want to approach this video is thinking about being a nurse practitioner in primary care, somebody comes in and their chief complaint is syncope, right? So I want to focus on, I've talked about this in a couple of videos, but when I, the, the longer you are in practice as a nurse practitioner and the more knowledge you not like the larger the knowledge base you develop, when you go into a visit, you start with the differentials in the front of your mind and you work your way backwards. So I want to work through this episode in that way, um, acknowledging that if you are a new grad or a student listening to this, this is not going to be the way that it is for you in primary care. The hack of getting around that is like I've mentioned in other uh, symptom-based videos and, and episodes, which is using the acronyms of old cart, onset, location, duration, etc., in your history taking, and then doing a full ROS and physical exam to kind of work your way backwards into the differentials, right? But anyway, we'll start with the differentials, the general categories of differentials for syncope, and then we'll get into the history questions, the physical exam, and uh, red flags to watch out for, as well as some of the testing we wanna watch out for. And I really wanna tie them back to those general categories of, um, of differentials. So let's first talk, what is, what is, what is the definition of syncope? Um, and this is important, not for semantics, but actually in practice, because patients who come in saying that they had a syncopal ep episode or they fainted, it could be true syncope or it could be kind of like pseudo syncope. It could be something else, right? So it's a transient loss of consciousness that is caused by a period of inadequate cerebral, cerebral blood flow and nutrients. Um, it's quick onset, it's brief, and it's self-limited. That's like the definition of a transient loss of consciousness AKA syncope. Okay, so next I wanna talk about those four main categories of causes. So I'm not gonna talk about every single differential that exists because that is very long. So this is one of those doorway episodes. Um, if you haven't listened to um, many of my episodes before, a lot of the hacks that I use to keep things straight in my mind when there's so much knowledge to know is knowing like, what is the first place to start? What are those, what is that first level of knowledge that I must have for this chief complaint or this topic that will lead me to my next doorway of where to go to pursue that information further, right? Especially in those really huge, broad differential chief complaints, and this is potentially one of them, like what are those four main places to start in terms of categories? And then once you get there, what's the doorway that you're gonna open that's leading you towards one direction? And then you can consult your further resources to build out your knowledge and your investigation further, right? So this is the doorway episode. Okay, four main categories of syncope. The first one is called reflex mediated. So if you're a student or a newer grad, you might be like, well, what are we talking about here? So um, it's fascinating. This, and actually, again, this is a doorway. So definitely something to investigate if you're not feeling comfortable with all the differentials inside of uh, reflex-mediated syncope. But those are traditionally things that are like triggered by something else that causes a syncopal event. So commonly, this is vasovagal responses, right? Some people have that vasovagal response. They have a syncopal episode. Um, micturition, voiding, and defecation those can also trigger a syncopal event. 
interesting, as can swallowing and uh, coughing and sneezing. <laughs> Fun fact, definitely read about um, reflex mediated. That isn't, those are not the only options, but there is like something that it triggers the event, right? And so definitely deepen your knowledge based in that if you're not familiar with those differentials, right? The next one is orthostatic hypotension. And that's the general parent category. And like the children are like the little differentials, right? So what are the general categories inside medication related or orthostatic hypotension? So medication related, primarily predominantly, most common ones are um, caused by diuretics, vasodilators, specifically calcium channel blockers, nitrates, alpha blockers. Those are really common, not the only options, but very common ones. Volume depletion states, hemorrhage, uh, GI illness, etc., and um, various autonomic reasons. This is a little bit of a zebra-ish place to go, but just keeping in mind, again, this is like the doorway to pursue down, right? So Parkinson's, secondary to other illnesses, amyloidosis, diabetes, stuff like that, right? Go down that doorway if you want to go down that doorway. But the moral of the story is second major cause is orthostatic hypotension from whatever underlying cause there is, right? So just think about reflex mediated orthostatic hypotension. And then the next one is cardiopulmonary disease, right? This is a broad category as well. So we're thinking things like arrhythmias, cardiac arrhythmias, structural heart disease, cardiomyopathy, severe aortic stenosis, uh, pulmonary embolism, pulmonary hypertension, right? Again, this is a doorway. So go into that pathway if you're thinking more on that line. But as long as you're keeping those first three things in your mind, first three categories, that will help you guide your visit to ask the appropriate history questions, physical exam, or the tests, right? Etc. Okay. So next I want to talk about, um, um, pseudo syncope. So the things we really want to be careful of is getting our adequate history with these patients because we have to rule out, we have to figure out what direction to go, right? So the other things you want to be mindful of that are not actually syncope are things like seizures, uh, sleep disturbances of a variety of kind, right? That's like the parent category, accidental falls, um, metabolic and electrolyte disturbances can contribute to, um, cognitive changes, but not necessarily true syncope. Um, some psychiatric conditions, whether it's a, um, pseudo seizure or something else that's going on. So just being really mindful of like, is this actually true syncope in those three first categories or is it something else? Okay, next let's talk about the history questions. So as I mentioned at the beginning, there's old cart onset, location, duration, et cetera. But there are specific questions to ask for syncope. So I wanna go over some of those. You wanna talk about how many episodes this person has had. How long do they last? How often it's happening? How many, is this the first time, multiple times? Were there any symptoms prior to the episode, right? Cause we're tying it back to reflex mediated causes, voiding, defecating, um, uh, did, were they diaphoretic? Were they nauseous? Did they have palpitations? Were they hot, cold? Did they have chest pain, shortness of breath, right? Tying it back to those categories. Um, position of their body before or after the episode, right? Were they, again, tying back to orthostasis? Were they going from sitting to standing and then they fainted, lost consciousness, etc.? And if it's happened a number of times, is there something that's consistently seeming to trigger it, right? Is it all kind of tied together? Um, and then a really important question is, were they by themselves or were they with somebody else? Because if there was a witness, we really want to ask that person too, what did you see? Did they, uh, did they have any body physical movements, right? Are we trying to rule out if this is an actually like a seizure instead of a, a syncopal event? 
Um, was there any change in their breathing? What did they look like? Were they, um, did they, were they like cyanotic appearing, right? Using the appropriate language with a, with a person who's with them. Uh, any other pre-existing conditions that we know about already? Medications that they're taking? Um, and then family history is always a good one to throw in. I feel like I, I missed that aspect of the evaluation when I was a newer grad. I would have it family history as part of my assessment, but I didn't realize like, I just didn't make that connection of like how important that answering that question is, right? And you can give them options, right? Because again, we're looking for cardiopulmonary disease here. Did they have any arrhythmias, structural heart disease, heart attack, stroke, et cetera. One note here, important note I want to make is that actually um, reduced blood flow to the brain from cerebral artery atherosclerosis is actually quite uncommon. So just, it is a possibility, but it's actually not the most common thing to think about. Okay, let's talk about some red flags to watch out for. So you've probably put this together already and you have those categories in your mind, but let's just, let's just put it in a, in a little list here, right? Exertional onset. Why do we care about that, right? Because we're, we're worried about something cardiac going on, cardiopulmonary. Chest pain, dyspnea, um, palpitations, focal neurologic deficits, of course. We want to see what's going on with that. Things like diplopia, ataxia, dysarthria, speech, visual changes, right? Weakness. Um, severe headache would be really concerning too, right? Because we could potentially be tying into some sort of vascular thing going on that contributed to the loss of syncope, a loss of consciousness, right? So those are, those are the main red flags to watch out for. In terms of the evaluation, you wanna do your full physical exam, specifically focusing in on HEENT, cardiovascular, their general appearance, of course, um, pulmonary, right? Cause we're trying to get into those categories. And then um, more additional kind of like exam testing things we wanna think about. We wanna do blood pressures in both arms. Even if you're not really sure what the structural cardiac abnormality might be, that's one piece of evidence to help support yes or no. Is there something going on there cardiovascular wise, right? So testing it in both arms, seeing if there's a discrepancy between blood pressures. Absolutely orthostatic vital signs. I know they're not the most fun thing to do, but hopefully you can get your support staff to help you with them if you cannot yourself. Uh, that is absolutely must vital, one of the categories, right? EKG is wise to do because we want to look for arrhythmia. You can sign, find some signs of structural um, abnormalities on your EKG. Definitely seeking out support if you need help with interpretation. And um, consider labs based, in, based on their history, right? So CMP, complete metabolic panel, we want to think about are there electrolyte disturbances? Does that make sense based on their history? A CBC, do they have underlying anemia or something else like that? Um, A1C, perhaps, if we're thinking maybe they have some underlying diabetes, which could be contributing um, in a secondary way to um, like that reflex-mediated one. It's a little bit complicated, but one thing to watch out for, right? Um, and then, yeah, you just really kind of take it from there. It really depends on what the potential, um, in terms of the management, really depends on the history, your exam, and where you're kind of going with each of those doorways, right? Just to recap that, reflex-mediated and digging into that if you're not feeling super comfortable with that, orthostatic, hypotension from whatever cause, right? And cardiopulmonary disease. So depending on your assessment and your labs, you get to make that decision of like, who do I need support from next? Is this more likely? Um, I don't actually, excuse me, hold on. I don't even think I mentioned neurologic exam in my physical exam. I think I was just like intuiting that, but that is absolutely part of it. 
That's absolutely part of your physical exam, so I don't want to leave that out. But yeah, you want to decide, is there cardio? do you need cardiology to help you? Do you need neurology to help you? Do you need your uh, supervising, uh, collaborating provider to help you? Things like that. So that's it. So hopefully that's a helpful um, summation of the approach to diagnosing syncope in primary care. If you haven't grabbed the ultimate resource guide for the new NP, head over to realworldnp.com guide. You'll get all of these episodes sent straight to your inbox every week with notes from me, patient stories, and bonuses I truly don't share anywhere else. Thank you so very much for watching. Hang in there and I'll see you soon.